Okay, welcome back to another week of the Stephen Sully study. And I'm talking to my next great guest in front of me, Norman Turkovitz. I've had to pronounce and practice that a few times now, Norman. So uh, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> you did well. You did very well. <laughs> Thank you. I should I should uh, say that it's actually Dr. Norman uh, Turkovitz, yeah? Um, so yeah. as my audience knows, as everybody who's transacted or, or been a part of the Woodbury House family, as we like to call it, we're known as the key advisor to the Richard Hamilton Foundation and IP. And that's because since 2014, we predominantly solely worked on Hamilton's market there, there has been a few other artists, some of his affiliates. I mean, Days, Christopher Ellis Days being one of them, who's a street artist from New York and a few others. But we are just so moved by the Hamilton narrative. We are absolutely passionate about the, the backstories and the ecosystem in and around Hamilton. And I'm just fascinated with his life and also some of his affiliates as well. And it's quite known, Norman, that in his documentary, the Shadow Man documentary, as well as people that you speak to, that Hamilton, um, unfortunately, because of his up and down kind of lifestyle, he didn't always have money. So to transact with professionals, people, or to get services, such as haircuts, food, staying in a hotel, or even his teeth done, he would pay in his own canvas works. And it's quite a unique thing because your paintings become your currency. And I know you was on the receiving end of that. So... Yeah, thank you for your time, Norman. I want to talk, talk to you about some of these stories, how you got connected to Hamilton and um, basically your thoughts and feelings towards him as an individual and also his market. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for asking me. Um, uh, Richard, um, I go back a very long time. It's got to be about uh, at least 25 years, 26 years, wow. uh, to the early and mid-90s. And... Um, I was introduced to Richard through a patient of mine uh, and a, a, a man that worked very closely with Richard, uh, Rick, Rick Labrizzi. So Rick Labrizzi is on the Shadow Man documentary. Um, he's obviously very well respected, uh, admired and sadly greatly missed because he, he passed away not even too long ago. But the person carrying on his legacy and his kind of uh, ethics towards the art market is his son, Nima Labrizzi, who in actual fact has been on my podcast and he's also featured on the Shadow Man documentary, who's a great guy. He's coming over to London, hopefully you are as well, Doctor, in October, to be present at the Hamilton Shadow Man private viewing at the Hamyard Hotel, where myself, hopefully the Hamilton Foundation and Nemo are going to be doing a Q&A. So... Um, so, okay, first of all then, uh, Doctor, I mean, um, you know, I want to clear up for the audience. So you're a doctor in uh, dentistry, is that correct? That's correct. And how did you get connected to Rick Labrizzi, the great Rick Labrizzi? So I, um, Rick um, Rick was very well known in this neighborhood. I'm on uh, my office located on 57th Street. I have a colleague um, that was uh, a specialist in dentistry that knew Rick very well, and he had taken care of Rick. And um, Rick was a very unique, creative man. He had his own style and um, and his, his and phenomenal demeanor. And so um, when my colleague uh, needed some other work, when Rick needed some other work, 
this colleague of mine, who was actually a former mentor teacher of mine, referred him to me right down the street. And that's how I uh, got to meet Rick, and we hit off a wonderful friendship. It's not just a doctor-patient relationship, but uh, I knew his family from Nemo and his daughters and everybody else, and he knows mine. So, and so, Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And so him being your patient then, he started referring you to other friends and family members. How did it come? How did you start? Because am I right in saying it's not just Richard Hamilton, but you've actually, you know, uh, been connected to some other artists in New York? Yes. And some of those I, I, I met actually through Rick, or, or if I went to a function of Rick or Nemo's, um, there are many artists around. And uh, when it originally started, I originally met Rick and I did what I needed to do for him. Um, he asked me, would, would you consider taking care of people that can't afford to have dentistry done and just don't have the money? But maybe you could, they could give you some artwork or some anything. And I, especially at the time, I was much younger, but I'm always, uh, I've been in my practice like this since the beginning. If anybody needs help, that's why I'm here. If I can help you, yes. And then uh, that's how he introduced me to uh, Richard. And uh, I was fully well aware that Richard didn't have the financial means to take care of himself. Yeah. Um, question I want to, uh, I'd like to ask you and anyone who comes across Richard for the first time, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it may be, what was he like back then? Because the character he turned into, sadly, just before his death in 2017, unfortunately, he didn't look healthy. In many ways, his passing was probably a, a godsend because he was suffering. You know, he was probably being exploited some somewhere um i think he had a you know a, a terrible addiction and quite a um bad habits put it put it bluntly but on the flip you know when he was younger he was this good looking celebrity type individual very intelligent very calculated what what was he like in your experience he, he he's a very unique character uh i'll never forget the, the first time he actually came into the office right he was wearing um, uh, typical Richard clothing, which would be uh, his black pants, a pair of clogs, and the clogs were very unique. They had these paint spots on them, drippings from his work, I'm assuming, and, um, and a white smock, artist smock. Like he literally walked out of the studio and came from downtown Manhattan to Midtown. And he walked in. And um, he, so he was very relaxed, actually, the very first visit. He was extremely relaxed. And uh, we talked. Uh, uh, he had no teeth. <laughs> and he was very happy. He was on my Richard, you, After an hour, I was like, okay, so now let's get down to it. Why don't you have teeth? What happened? And he gave me his whole history, and it was very interesting. And then... Um, we came up with a plan to work together. I think I, the first day I know I spent at least two hours with him and it was all conversation. And he was a, a charming guy. At that time, he did not appear to be on any drugs or anything altering. And um, from there, it just took off. We kind of, we did 
execute the original plan. That's great. I can't believe that in hindsight, but we did. <laughs> I mean, from, from the obvious, um, you know, uh, my mum used to say, if you don't brush your teeth twice a day, you, your teeth are going to fall out. I mean, that's quite extreme, I guess, but is it really, is, is it, <laughs> it can't be as simple as that. I mean, what causes people's teeth to fall out? Well, you know, uh, yeah, decay is all bacterial on the science end. But in, in Richard's case, and people like Richard, um, the, the addictions and the habits, that's where the real damage is done. Yeah, fair And enough. so um, he, 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 during the, the time that, it, that I knew Richard well or came in, he came into us. There were days he came in in the middle of one of his um, I'll use the term binges. Um, those are the days we kind of didn't accomplish anything. We just kind of sat there. Um, and there were days that you would never know. You would never know. He was so functional, you would never know. But he understood, he understood everything. He understood his art. He understood um, uh, the financial things to some degree, but he, he didn't make the greatest financial decisions, you know. Um, but that was something I didn't know too much about that I got, I, I learned about during the time I was from outside from, um, from what he had done. Because he met some extraordinary people that loved his work. So um, um, I, I do my research and have the conversations and the Shadow Man documentary, it really highlights the point that Hamilton back in the day when he was this young, hip, cool, you know, educated or, or let's say smart individual who had swagger, um, he was a bit, bit more known as a, a local kind of celebrity. You know, people knew him probably mo- across major cities across uh, across America. I mean, before you came across Hamilton because of thanks to Rick Labrizzi, um, did you know of him? Did you know anything about street art or even that world? I, I certainly, I didn't have the knowledge of the street art, but it was a, a, a small, it was a coincidence in life, right? The, one that happens, right? So down on a, on the corner, uh, I think it was Delancey and Ludlow Street, downtown New York City, right? There was a, a this uh, couch that had been outside. I mean, I, I, I used to pass it because I was down there on the weekends, I'm, it's in the 60s. I'd be down there with my parents and we'll walk down the street and it, it, it would be street art and some of there was painting on a couch and the head was on the wall. It was kind of frightening. But it was mesmerizing at the same time. There were other paintings similar to that throughout the whole Lower East Side of Manhattan. And you would look at them and, you, you know, if you're there frequently, you would kind of start to think, same person did that, did that. But I didn't know the background of it. And I, I, I venture to say that most of the people, like the little store owners down there, didn't either. But Richard, um, from what I was told, when he would walk the streets, everybody knew who he was. Yeah. I heard he had a bit of an aura, aura about him. When he came into a room, yes, you, you he knew did. he was there. You knew he was there. When, when I first met him, he was just as you described. He was a very good-looking uh, he wasn't in his 20s, but um, good-looking guy. I mean, 
always like if you try to track Richard down, you you had to speak to one of his girlfriends, and he had one for a long time that lived with him, and she was wonderful, and um, and she she took care of him like unbelievably, unbelievable. Yeah. Even if they had to live in a basement in a building in the Lower East Side, she took care of him. That's good. Um, so from 25 years up until like halfway through the point you knew him and then of course the last few years uh, before he sadly passed away what was his personality you know how did that change how did it morph and become different did you notice big changes with him or were they slow slow incremental changes what was his what was it like there would be my opinion that as it was like um, it, it, it wasn't really drastic to me. It was like a slow, steady decline. Um, and, uh, when he appeared in the office one time, you know, it's always trying to track Richard down. You know, that, that was a, a, that was a job. You know, you had, it was an adventure. You know, we got to get Richard in to do this. Do that. It is an adventure. You, you would call one number, call another number, ask somebody, ask so and so. If you see Richard, tell Richard, right? But. Um, when he developed uh, like a lesion on his cheek, right? We wanted to, like Richard. We got Richard. We got to take care of this right away. This doesn't look good. Um, no, he wouldn't do it, and um, it grew. It grew, and he became more debilitated. Now, here was this gentleman who, when I met him, he he wasn't a tall man, but I mean, as far as height goes. But he was upright and, and spry and strong looking to this man that slowly over time deteriorated and became hunched over, bent. The, deterior- the, the, the growth on his cheek uh, obviously expanded, but miraculously never went in depth. It went, it went, it went in width. And the great, great, great majority of the time, that type of lesion will grow deep into the skin and be be fatal, but not Richard. It grew wide and and never went deep. And people offered it. Finally, he did go for treatment for it, but near the end, I guess, I'm going to guess it was just before, just before, I can't remember, it was just before, just after the big shows from George Omar. All right. Okay. So, um, look, a doctor, someone who's, you know, a dentist, someone's a very professional person. And I know you guys take years and years and years to get in your qualifications. You're very professional people. It's probably fairly regulated as well. You know, so stereotypically, you know, what has a doctor, you know, got any connection with street artists? But when you connected with Richard from a human standpoint, as you said, he was a very kind of, you know, engaging kind of person because he had this energy and he, he was Richard Hamilton at the end of the day. But then from the from the final financial aspect and also the creativity, you as a smart, you know, a, a professional doctor, I mean, you, you must have been doing some research after you engaged with him a few times and seen that his market is actually growing and booming. Um, so over time, did you, you know, become more of a fan of his work or... Was you just taking it as as payment? 
What was your, your own personal relationship like with the actual artwork? Uh, oh, well, I, okay, so he had invited me. I did not attend, but he did invite me down to his studio a number of times. I couldn't get there at the time. I, I can't remember why, but he, um, when he would bring over a piece and he would say, he, he would come in, he would be carrying it, He's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I tell him my opinion. I, I actually love his work. In other words, like the first time I saw a shadow man head, I'm like, wow, this is a little different. This is, I like it. It was a uh, silver with a black head. It was, um, I, I, I had it on my desk every day. And I would just look at it. I'm like, this is unbelievable. The more I looked at it, the more I learned to appreciate it and then start to understand it when I put together his personality and the artwork. And it all came together. He put himself, obviously, I guess all of us do, I'm not that in-depth, not familiar, but he was making statements with everything he did. At least to me, and when, we, you know, my opinion, um, his work, I think, is second to none. I don't want to put any other artists down, but those that seem to be much more popular at this time, I think they owe it all to Richard. I, I think so, so too. The point I was trying to get to uh, my, uh, my last sort of question to you is, look, if I became an artist today and I said, Norman, I need to get my teeth done, and I know it's expensive. I know the arrangement probably in America is different to over here because I know you can run some of it through the NHS over here, etc. But over there, it's all private work, I, I believe. Yeah. So you, you're talking about thousands. I know people have had root canals to crowns right. to you know, um, you know what would you call them the uh, the um, Implants. Implants and, and stuff like that. That can cost thousands. I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of pounds sometimes or dollars. Um, the reality is, if I said, look, I'm going to knock you up a painting, Norman, I mean, maybe not you because you're a lovely guy, but most people would say, Steve, no, you know, it, you know, your your paintings are worth, are worth nothing. But you, mu you must have seen the value in his artwork. Uh, yes. The combination of me seeing it and talking with Rick Labrizzi, and, um, but talking with Rick Labrizzi, because he, he's, if, in my experience, my friendship with Rick, if, and my, my office here, I don't advertise. It's all word of mouth. For 30 some odd years, it's all word of mouth. I don't get patients through advertising or anything like that. So when somebody like Rick Labrizzi recommends somebody and Rick tells me about the person, that's, the gold seal. That's all I need coming from a guy like Rick. So when he explained uh, what Richard was about and who Richard was before he came into the office, I was more than happy to accommodate Richard do the best I can with at whatever the fee. And I like, like the way you put it there, the golden seal from Rick Breezy. So was there ever a moment where Rick DeBreezy said, listen, you need to look at this guy, Richard Hamilton, because his market in, in the next coming years is about to blow up financially? That came on years later. He's like, uh, Richard is going to blow up. Richard is going to be 
bigger than the biggest names that you have, that you know right now. And so, um, uh, and right up until Rick's unfortunate or never timely, untimely passing, he was saying the same thing. He's like, it's, Richard, it's right on the cusp right now. This market's going to boom for Richard. And apparently, I believe it is. Mm. As their galleries out in the Hamptons that are now showing his work, and everybody's talking about it. There was a showing on, I want to say, 21st Street in Manhattan about two years ago that was well attended. Uh, I stopped in there with my kids, and it was packed, packed. And so, but uh, yes, I do think that this is Richard's time. And he certainly deserves every accolade that can be expressed. Uh, I think he's responsible for the modern day street art and graffiti art that's there. I would call him the father of it. I really would. Yeah, he's uh, known as the godfather of street art, as you well know, by the New York Times. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think he deserves that name. He, yes, he earned it. He certainly did. And um, can, can we ask about your, your own personal collection then? Uh, maybe a little bit. So what, what type of uh, artworks did Hamilton, Hamilton give you? Because I know you showed me some images, but just for the audience, audience purposes, what, what type of great art do you own by Hamilton? Well, I own a number of pieces on canvas, acrylic on canvas. I own some acrylic on paper. I own a printer too. I own uh, uh, a unique guy on a blood series. Uh, um, also, a, a unique picture that he had from uh, a novel that was in his apartment or somewhere, and he, he put a jumping man on it that appears to be a Sharpie. Um, uh, and he, he actually gave me that one frame. <laughs> he actually framed it. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually from my son. Yeah, he gave it to my son. He met my oldest son at that time in my office. And he wanted to bring one over. And so a couple months later when he came, he did not forget he brought it for him. Um, and it was kind of unique. He brought it in a paper bag that you would put, like, you know, groceries in. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but th- those are the type of uh, pieces that I owned. Um, landscape section. I have a, a landscape. Uh, it's very tranquil period. Uh, yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. What's your, um, what's your favorite style by Hamilton? Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, there are a couple of other pieces that I didn't, that I, I, I did have um, a seven foot shadow man. And uh, I, a relative of mine has it. Uh, they just—they just loved it. My favorite piece. Oh God, I go back and forth. Like I think I should like uh, that self-portrait one, the small one, the self-portrait. That it's—it's it's not a shadow man. It's like a cross between the self-portrait and a shadow man. It's like yeah. very. I, I've never seen any of those, you know. And um, I mean, he did a heart once with uh, gold. I was using that one on paper. And so, but he 
he had this, this that, that small one to me for some reason moves me every time I look at it. I, it just brings me like all the memories of Richard coming to the office. And yeah. Such good ones and rough ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that that's the one for me. I, I love that one. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, with all your pieces, since you've owned them, since he traded off, you know, your services, looking after him, you know, his well-being to, to, to the works that you've got. I mean, they must have gone up in value by now, which is, again, testament oh. to the fact that his market really is moving. They've gone exponentially. Exponentially. I mean, we're talking about pieces that probably at the time were maybe worth $1,000. And maybe they're up four, five, six hundred times that amount. And I mean, if I, if anybody ever goes to my apartment and sees them, there's always a comment. We have an interior designer. I have an interior designer. She's family's very good friend of mine. She's like, I want to buy that for my client. I'm like, you can't. <laughs> I'm like, I got it. She goes, don't pay anything. I'm like, Okay, you get me a number and we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But no, it, it's amazing, the, the value. And uh, I can't see it going any way, but actually, and, and fairly rapidly, way, way up. Yeah. Well, they do say the best career move an artist can make sometimes, which is quite brutal to say, is when they pass away and pop their clogs, uh, Doctor. But look, um, any other stories that you got about Hamilton that would be interesting for the audience to know? Because um, you know what, these mini conversations that he, he had with his barbers, I, I actually interviewed a guy called Mike Melbourne who owns Frank Chop Shop, who Nemo Labrisi knows really well, and a few other of his friends and his dealers, etc. These are the conversations that, we would all take for granted if we were there, but in actual fact, they're gold. And I know you, you know, putting them on, you know, on the chair and working on them, there must have been be some really fascinating ones. Well, I, only because I mentioned it before, so he had these thoughts. So I, I guess we were a couple of years together already, and I'm like, hey, Richard, why don't you take those claws, right, and sell them? And he's like, I go, I go, there isn't a girl in this city and probably even guys in this city that wouldn't wear claws that look like that. And they're like this random paint droppers of all these colors, right? You know? And he was looking at me he's like, really? And I bugged him about it. And I bugged him. I'm like, come on, Richard, let's do the claws. I'll do it with you, okay? Let's do it together. Hmm. We'll get you, me, we'll get Rick. I go, we'll get, let's manufacture those claws. We'll duplicate them. And he, he kind of chuckled and laughed. He always had a comment. It was kind of funny. And then one day he comes in, he goes, looks at me, Claude. I go, you're going to do it? He goes, no, I'm going to do skateboards. Like, skateboards? Skateboards? <laughs> Claude's will make you millions really fast. Just skateboards. And he had this small deal, I believe, with this Japanese company to design skateboards. Right. <laughs> that was Richard. <laughs> that was him summed up in a in in, in, a, in a short sentence. <laughs> yeah, you were not going to get him to do anything you didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the nature of the beast with him, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I uh, mean, 
I know you're in your practice there, so I don't want to take too much of your time because you've probably got other patients waiting. But is there any advice that, you know, I'm not saying you're like, you know, a street art, um, let's say, expert or someone that, you know, is, 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 you know, from an auction house that can say, okay, these are the percentages, this is, this is your view. But, you know, advice, like people looking at the Hamilton market, you're a doctor, you know, people really respect people like yourself because you're professional. What's your advice? You know, what, what, how would you tell them to kind of enter the, the, the market and collect? Uh, um, um, if you have a chance and you're in the socioeconomic group that can do it, pick up, collect as many Richard Hamilton as you can. Um, I believe the values financially for Richard are just going to be sky high. The same as these others, Basquiat and Herring, and even if not higher, I believe his, um, I believe his, this is no not, please, this is just a personal opinion. His talent was greater than all of this. I think that their showing come off of his foundation. If, if anybody wants, like, like, even like the, the, the the Horse and Rider series, the Jumping Man series. These are like, I mean, so unique and so in such incredible depth in those pictures, paintings. Like I said, to me, I'm not, you know, you're in the art world, I'm a dentist. I do different art. I do this different. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, but it, I would tell anybody, if you have a chance to get a piece of Richard Hamilton, get it. Get it, hold it, not too long, you're going to want to trade it. Trade it. Trade it upward. Get a better, get a different piece. Move up. Uh, move up. If people are in the art world and they want to trade this man, this work is, at least to me. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't mention to you last time, I, I do have some other artists in the apartment um, besides my son. Um, and uh, I, I don't, like, they're actually behind the cabinet. I don't display them. They're not out. See? See, I just, when I had them up years ago, but then uh, once I got to Richard, to be honest, and not just because I knew him, but just because of the nature of the piece. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you very much for your your time there, Norman. It's really valuable, valuable stuff, this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope if I get lucky, um, I would love to be there and join you on our show. That that would be absolutely amazing. And um, Nemo's obviously going to be there and he's going to be there from the foundation. It's, it's going to be great. This is one more question I've got to ask you, Norman, and I'll let you go. So when I first start, started my podcast, bearing in mind the, the birth of this podcast was to inspire a younger demographic to go out there and be what they wanted to be, achieve, achieve anything they, you know, their heart desired and become the best version of, of their self. So my mantra is, be happy, never content. If I were to ask Dr. Norman Turkovitz, is that right? Better, you get better, keep Dr. Norman T, um, what does be happy, never content mean to you? Oh, that means, um, to me, continue to strive. You never reach your full potential. So if you get 
to this level today. Be content, but don't be happy. Don't be satisfied with that because you could do better and better and better and better. And um, I, I like that philosophy. I, I, this is the first time you shared it with me, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to steal that and um, I'll footnote it with my, with my, uh, with my voice. Oh, right. That's a great philosophy. I love that. Thank you very much. Okay, well, look, um, hopefully uh, the audience can come and meet you uh, and Nemo in, in October at the Hamyard Hotel. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Keep on looking after your patients because I know you're doing a great job. Let's keep on sharing the story about Richard Hamilton because I think it's an important one. And remember to everybody, be happy, never content. Cheers. Speak to you soon, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.